Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome back to Season 5, Hollywood and NFTs. I'm really excited to share my guest with you today. He's a celebrity photographer, my dear friend, David Christopher Lee. First, I would like to give a special shout out to you, the listener. If you're on audio, pop over to the YouTube link in the show notes because we're on video as well, okay? And because of you, we are in the top 1.5% out of almost 4 million podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing, liking, hitting the five star and leaving a review. It really helps us grow the show and make sure that more people hear these epic, amazing stories. Also, I want to give a shout out to Gold Tree Studios. Check out goldtreestudios.com. It's a post-production facility in Los Angeles on the famous Sunset Boulevard Strip. With no further ado, I would like to welcome my guest, David Christopher Lee. David, how are you? Amazing. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. I, uh, you know, like we've known each other for a while now. And I was looking over your bio and I was just like, whoa, that's so cool. Because like we have so many sentimental connections with one another. And I grew up listening to Bach and Mozart. And, you know, I was like looking at your bio and it says that, you know, you were a pianist with the USC orchestra at the age of 16. And like you had so many awards for piano competitions. And I, I I didn't even know that about you. We just had that synergy and connection. But like, that's so cool. Do you want to like elaborate on that any? Yeah, so I, I started playing piano when I was five years old. And I just did really well at it. And back then, I didn't, you know, I didn't go to parties, I didn't do anything except for play piano and study. And eventually I started playing concertos with the USC orchestra. And it was such a such an honor and such a rush to be the center of attention. And especially when you're so young, piano had a great, it had a, such a huge influence over my life because it taught me how to think clearly. It taught me how to be creative and it taught me discipline. And I used those aspects in my personal life and my professional life. And at, um, it really, really taught me discipline. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about you. I love your thrive and your discipline. And all the time when I'm around you, although there could be a lot of like chaos and things happening, you know, us running around Hollywood events and parties or just like things we've been a part of, you always have this calmity to you. And so I, now I see it orchestrates from that discipline and that upbringing of music. So that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. It, it's so important to our foundational roots. It makes up who we are and the choices we make. And, you know, since I've known you, you've always been been a pioneer and a leader. You have like you start things all the time. You've had multiple digital magazines. Right now you have David's Guide. You started a biohacking magazine. I know we're both really into health and wellness. And you know, you've invited me to a lot of conferences, you know, with Mind Valley. And you know, I went on to meeting some epic people uh, through that program because of you. Do you want to talk about like what health and wellness means for you first and foremost? Well, health and wellness is all about being grounded and staying centered. I do a lot of meditation and dry fasting. Mm. So the longest thing I've done of dry fasting is seven days of no food and no water. And what happens is your body goes through a full transformation. You basically get a, a full body, a full new body in one week, and you get a, a full stem cell regeneration in your whole entire body. I try to do dry fasting as much as possible. Lately, I've been doing maybe one or two 40 hour dry fast a week just to clean out my system. And then also I meditate for an hour to two every day. And I have a lot of different devices like the chi coils, which play 
frequencies of mushrooms, of LSD, of all these different substances. And it just takes you to a higher form of meditation. When we're surrounded by so many different types of people and energies, we absorb them. So every day we need that time to recalibrate. And that's what meditation does for me. So yeah, wow. Yeah. Over the pandemic, I tried out so many different things. And, and those are the two things that I've realized work so well together. And the best thing of all is that they're both free. So, yeah. When do you decide to meditate, right? When you wake up, when you go to bed, are you are you busy throughout your day? You take an hour break or like, how is it for you with meditation? When is it best for you? It's, um, it's right when I wake up, but right when I'm like not totally awake. So what happens is I wake up by the sunlight because, you know, my room gets bright. And then I'm kind of in this like weird mode where I'm not really awake, but I'm not really asleep. And that's the most powerful time to talk to your subconscious. So I turn on my meditation music, I close my eyes again. And then I just think about everything that I want in terms of healing with my body, that could be building muscle, burning fat, getting rid of my eczema, I've been doing that. And my eczema on my foot, it's gone like from this big to this big. And I've had this eczema for like, 20 years. Mm. So it's taken that long. And the other time to to meditate is right before you go to sleep, because that's an, the other time when you can talk to your subconscious, your subconscious is 90% of your brain and that controls. It's like a robot. It just does everything like it makes all the decisions that you're not really conscious of. So you want to make the best decisions. And the only time to talk to it is during those times. Yeah. And I feel because you're so into everything you just said, it really sets you up from a a ground foundation for you to go out into the world and be around all these people. Because I know I'm a sensitive and I know you're a sensitive too. You're, you're so sweet and, you know, you're quiet and like you watch certain things happen, you know, um, you're just, you know, you have this like, this beautiful grace um, about you. So because you're so like an oak tree from within, then you're able to go out and, um, you know, you you shot Lady Gaga's first cover. And um, I think it was in 1999, you were like the very first digital photographer and for the Teen Choice Awards, Movie Awards, Billboard Music Awards. And and then you found your passion in entertainment industry. And that was before I met you. So can you tell us about like that journey and like the excitement, how that was for you then? Yeah. So when I was, um, I think when I was 16, I won a, a national writing competition for Scholastic. The prize was $5,000 and then also writing articles for Seventeen Magazine as a teen correspondent. So I started writing CD reviews and concert reviews. And then the opportunity came up with the Teen Choice Awards because Seventeen Magazine was hosting the Teen Choice Awards. I told them I had a digital camera and they asked me if I wanted to be their official digital photographer. I was literally just like put in the middle of all these celebrities and there was Britney Spears, there's NSYNC, there's Backstreet Boys, Mandy Moore, Jessica Simpson. I mean, it, it was like, it was one of the best times, one of the best parties, one of the best places to be in the world at that time. And I, I would take I, would, I took three digital pictures for them, and I charged them $1,500 for each picture. It was 2.1 megapixels. I would send them the pictures on a 56K modem on AOL that night so that they could have it in the morning and then use it for Yahoo Newswire. So that was, uh, that was my digital story and how I started. Wow. 
Wow. So I saw those photos, I, but I was, a, I was a teenager as well in Michigan. And so you were in California, you grew up in California. So you were already there, like in it, you know, you pivoted and you found and made your way and, you know, very advanced being in California. And I'm, you know, this uh, small town girl in Michigan, watching Britney and Justin and sync going to concerts, seeing them on the TV, probably seeing your photos. Um, you know, so like, energetically, we were already connected in some way, you know, like telepathically. Yeah. And through the media, it's just so wild. You've just always been a pioneer with these things. And then look at digital today in 2023 and like where it's come from since then. It's just like, wow, what what an honor. What a, what an epic moment. It's just, it's really mind blowing. It's, it's really exciting. That's so, so cool. Yeah, very neat. It's so important to be ahead of the trends because that's the time when opportunities come and that's when you have to seize them and do them. Yeah, well, speaking of being ahead of trends, because... NFTs and blockchain are so big and popular right now. And actually, you, you know, I've been around the world. And that one of the reasons why she's all over the place is called that is because I, I've traveled and being a yes person being so connected with so many people and being so involved in so many things artistic, you invited me to this art show that was raising funds for the blockchain downtown LA, like and I DJ the event and you know, uh, the luxury for a DJ the day before you get to go for a sound check, which I did. And there was all these, all these artists were uh, setting up installations and stuff. And they're like, Oh, like, you know, there was communication, it was just a cool vibe. And they found out I was a physical painter as well. So then I, you remember, I, I set up seven of my paintings. So not only did I DJ the event, but I had seven of my paintings, you know, for sale, sell them as NFTs. And I became friends with Orbs One from that event. I'm still very good friends with them to this day. You know, first NFT mural. So like you introduced me to that. And I, I tell people that story like all the time, you know, like I'm so into NFTs and blockchain, the community. And it's because of you, you're the one that introduced me. So you always do that. You're so kind, you're so generous. You introduce people to people all the time and like shape shift their lives. I say, and people say like anything I touch turns to gold. That's how you are. Like everything you touch turns to gold. Like we went to this one uh, event together. It was, I forget what it was called, the the horse races in Bel Air or something like that. And like, like everywhere I go, like you're, you're just like this gold statue and everyone just like flocks to you. And like, you're like this gold statue and <laughs> people, you, you just surround yourself with just like power, like this, this stature and this power, you know, it's like, it's so amazing. Every experience I've ever had with you, you know, like us going to the Baccarat together, all these experiences, it's always like the finest, like this quality of taste that you have. And I know your your parents are so sweet. And, you know, um, they're like the best and your dad's a mathematician. And so they gave you some really good, like foundational morals and values and like, ways of being and then through the music and the discipline, you know, um, it really like shapeshifts your character of, of who you are. Like, how does that feel for you? Like, is it just like natural or you know, you're extremely gifted and special? Like, how is that for you? If that makes any sense? Well, I think it has a lot to do with my my upbringing for my parents and how they had their own business. They sold t-shirts and they were the first to sell t-shirts for dance, drill and cheer. And so there were times when we would go to a competition and we would bring all these t-shirts and sweatpants and we would come back with like, I don't know, like this is in the 90s and we'd come back with like $50,000 in cash. And that was like a lot of money. 
back then. And it was cash too. So I saw behind the scenes of how they did it from designing to production to logistics and the actual selling of it too. And I think from that, it was really inspirational and I'm able to apply those skills into everything I do now. That's so powerful because people's relationship with money, like you saw you were around it. So it was play, fun. You saw how it was, how the transactions were done, like with money, you know, and, and, and it's such a big thing. And uh, I know a lot of people have just like this unhealthy relationship with money where they think it's bad and they don't know how to get it. And it's like, yeah, you just you just definitely have a, a, a good relationship with money. You definitely know how to get money, which is great and surround yourself with money uh, too. But let's not get it twisted. Being surrounded with money and you like surrounding yourself with all these powerful people doesn't mean that they're always good people because we've been to many events and things together in LA, obviously not naming any names. People have like done us wrong. You know what I mean? Like there are things that you need to like watch out for just because someone's throwing around money or like looks flawless in fashion head to toe or you know, maybe knows all these different people and you just think like it's automatically like a win-win. There are, you know, things, red flags, people need to watch out for that are blinded by um, my financial consultant says um, the shiny object syndrome. So what are some red flags for that you were, didn't know that you learned along the way or some tricks that you can share with people to like protect themselves so they're not like uh, led astray? Because um, I know I've been a victim and vulnerable of, of this in, in many situations. And because we have such big hearts that like we, we just allow it to happen or we like forgive the person and, and it keeps happening. So what are some red flags for like someone listening in Idaho or, you know, like, like that? Well, there's a thing called a, a gut feeling. And that's like, you know, that's literally your gut, it's your stomach. And if you get like, if you start feeling strange around a, a person, then there's a reason why that's happening. You know, your gut is like your, it's like your second brain. So if something doesn't feel right, then it probably isn't. And then Never think, once you're around a certain person, everybody has a different frequency. And people will tell you anything they can to make you do what they want. So if it's going bad, it's never gonna get better. And those people will say, oh, don't worry, we're in it for the long run. Uh, no. <laughs> if, if something isn't working, it's not working and it's not gonna get better. Mm -hmm. So just trust your, trust your gut instinct and your intuition. I love that. Yeah, that's it's so powerful. I'm just diving deeper now. Like, you know, it, it could be any circumstance or situation. But what if someone, you know, and is a situation where you you can't get out of it? You know, like, how do you deal with it if you have to like, but you have the red flag, but you still have to like, finish the project? How can you behave and not engage or do or not do to maybe, you know, deflect the situation, but you're aware of it? Like, can you healthy communicate to someone, the lead person on the team? But a lot of times you're the person hiring people. So what if it's a situation like where someone kind of doesn't know how to get out of it? Well, then you just have to, you know, you just have to put up with their behavior and go with the flow and maintain as, as least engagement as possible. Yeah. So it's, that's just the way the world is. Yeah. Is there like a, like a, a question, two, three, something that like, if you're aware, like, oh my God, this happened, I'm in, I'm never gonna let it happen again, before engaging in a commitment for a job or, you know, to befriend someone, like, are there certain, like one or two questions that you ask yourself to ask the person to find out if it's like a, a fit or not? I mean, just, I would just say stay away from partnerships, because it's just like, it's so complicated. And 
just do your own, you know, they're strategic partnerships. So you could do your own thing and then just work with people on, on a, a collaborative basis. And I think that's probably the best. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I had an experience recently. I won't get into the details, but the reflection of it was after was stay in your own lane. And I'm like, that saying is for a reason. Like stay in your own lane, like know your what you're good at, what you're not good at. And like stay in your own lane, like don't be in other people's business. Like it gets really messy because yeah. humans, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts according to Dr. Joe Dispenza. So it's like people are hardwired certain ways. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's that's that's really solid. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those things. It's really important. People don't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody acts a certain way, they're not going to change. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, David's guide and and biohacking. Which one do you want to talk about first? And because you always launch projects, like like I think that's from like your parents doing the the t shirt business. Like you just always knew to start something because a lot of people I feel like start things or they don't know how to start something like. You just, you have an idea. You're like, okay, this is the brand. This is the name. You just automatically start something and you do it and just like run with it and see how it goes. Like, how is it for you when you're setting up and starting something new and like calling it like, uh, cause you've had multiple digital magazines, not multiple, but you know, a, a few startups. So h- how is that? And then what's the through line that you've kept along the way with your, with your brand and your photography? So when I started David's guide, I, you know, it's just, all it is, is just, coming out with the name and posting up content and doing SEO. So that's my fourth online magazine. So it was pretty easy for me to do because I know the process. I know how to program. I know WordPress. I I know how to write. I know how to take pictures. I know how to manage writers. So that's my skill set. I've been in media a long time. It's been 23 years. With photography, I like to bring out the person's essence and their soul. So I like to capture the highlight in their eyes. And then I also like to throw in some really cool fashion, just to make the picture a little more interesting. I like doing a lot of on location shoots, because there's just so many places to see and experience. And I want people to see it through my lens. So I like to keep it fun. Yeah, I feel like on location makes it more fun for you too, instead of just that, like at your beautiful studio all the time. I mean, you've shot me at your studio, and it's gorgeous there. It's just like amazing. But shooting in a studio could be like so yeah I see like going out and having the adventure it's not only it's the whole thing is a full 360 adventure for you and for them yeah and for the client yeah 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 very cool that's so cool and then while you were just sharing that since you've been in media a long time and you know those functionalities have you ever thought about like do you have no interest or have you ever thought about um you know having your own Uh, photography media company where you teach new entrepreneurs to do this and then you know you have a collective where you're teaching like YouTube videos and and courses like bi-weekly or once a week or an an online community to empower other people since you're so good at starting things well eventually I like to do something like that Mm -hmm. maybe it could be a nonprofit to teach kids or something like that so we'll see yeah my friend Peter Hurley he's amazing so he has um his community. So like there's these international photographers, he has like 15, 20,000 people who take his course with him specifically to learn his lighting because he's known for lighting. Like each photographer 
is known for something. And you developed this new technique not too long ago, too. When you were telling me you did this book, you you shot, was it the Emmas? And you, you came up with like a new language for your photography. Do you want to talk about language of photography, the discovery process and reinventing yourself in your language? And how is that for you? My photography language is I like things that are dark and moody. And I'm not so much like I'm not really into uh, commercial style, but I like things that are edgy and dark and gritty and just a little, just a little moody. So mm. yeah, that's my style. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Has that always been your style? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always experimented. Um, I've, I've always shot, I, I shot in downtown LA a lot where it's super gritty and dark. I've shot in abandoned buildings and I've shot with low exposures. Sometimes I've shot without like professional photography lights, but I just work with the light that's available around me, but I just figure out how to make it work. Yeah. We were at this one restaurant one time and we were leaving the bathroom. There was this amazing art and the staircase and you're like, ooh, ooh, and you took a few photos and you were like moving it around because you were probably like looking at the lighting and telling me like, go one step up, go another step up or down to make me taller. And then probably so the light was hitting me on a certain way. I, but I remember that yeah. interaction with you. So that's like your vibe, like your, your soul, your grit, who you are. But how is it when like, you know, I remember when... Uh, uh, Richard Branson had you come to his island when it reopened after their catastrophe because that's like you know them playing golf so that's not gritty you know what I mean like how do you yeah. wh- what do you do with that so like w- when you have clients and it- it's not that gritty vibe it's different you know well sometimes you do things for the clients and then sometimes you do things for your personal projects yeah and your own feed your soul yeah. So I think it's really important for the listener. Yeah. But it's also such a dream to work with Richard Branson. So I wasn't complaining about that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I mean, you had like a whole, cr- I wish I could have gone. I-, I was like committed. I couldn't go, but you had a whole crew that you went with. I-, I mean, I really missed out on that one. I really missed out. I missed out on that one. I had an invite to um, the White House one time. Obama was having a Christmas party, mm-hmm. 50 people with the guests, so 100 people total. And I was going through something and missed it. So yeah, those are two pretty big ones that I think about that brush strokes that come. It's like, oh, man, like, I should have went, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But we next time. Yay, 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 yay. Let's go. Let's go. And I loved what you just said about like, knowing your process, knowing your vibe, your soul of like who you are, and then differentiating that from clients wants and needs, you know, so like, it's a business, right? So it's like a passion, but it's also a business. So like, I want to say actors, actors, music, musicians, photographers, like creatives, because they're so stuck on like who they are, that they'll miss out on like 98 other opportunities, because they think they're like not being true to themselves, if they're not doing their language. So being able to be connected, but not attached to that to not miss out on cool opportunities, like, you know, shooting for amazing clients. So any thought about that? Did you have a struggle with that? uh, Growing up through your journey? Or was it always just very like, I'm open and you knew the difference. I, I've always known the difference. Okay. So, you know, you have to pay your bills, right? <laughs> it's not like you get to do what you want to do all the time as an artist. Yeah. Now I get to do a lot more than I used to. But, you know, like when you're first starting, you have to take whatever job you can get. So mm-hmm. that's just the way the world is. You have to be, you have to be realistic too. So let's talk about a fun, um, I mean, you've had so many. I mean, you've shot Demi Moore, Kardashians, like, so many people like mm-hmm. tell us about like a, a really fun experience for you with with some of the people you've shot and like why why was it memorable for you 
Well, when I did the shoot with Kim, Chloe, and Courtney, it was really interesting because this was Kim's first photo shoot right after her sex tape. And so they weren't, they were famous, but they weren't like super famous. This was before they had their show. And so it was such a unique time period because Kim was just starting to make a name for herself. But then Chloe and Courtney were just kind of like, well, Courtney was already on a reality show before that. So she was already in there a little bit, but Chloe was she was i was talking to chloe about she was just pissed off with her life because she said all she does is full clothes and she hates her life and her sister just go off and do photo shoots and she's like the black sheep of the family and it's just so interesting to see how things have changed over the years yeah because <laughs> she's not folding clothes in the store anymore right yeah 1000 1000 when i did the shoot with lady gaga it was just me and her and there was no manager no agent no publicist and I was telling her what to do and then she would bring out different little clothing items and um she was unknown at that time too so i like i really like shooting the talent before they become super famous because it's like i know like i'm like the only one to have those types of experiences Ooh, i love that yeah very cool and then where's a location that you've gone to like a job or a location that was really awesome for you, like memorable and why? Oh, the the Royal Suite at the Imperial Hotel in Vienna. It's 3,000 square feet and there's chandeliers in each room and there's like gold plated ceilings and there's a, a bed that's like, it's a blue and gold bed and it's like 25 feet long. So this was the, the Duke's master bedroom and a lot of famous people have stayed in this room like Michael Jackson, um, the Clintons, the emperor of japan so if you want to feel like royalty like this is the place to be <laughs> the royal suite and you do you love that royal feeling you love that and i do too i'm like so glam and royal i love that essence and why is that like like why are you attracted to that like parisian like classical style i think it has a lot to do with growing up playing classical music so mm. that you know that had a big impact on me. And then also it's like, it's kind of like living in a fairy tale. And the other side of my photography is like, if I'm not doing dark and moody, sometimes I like to be like a fairy tale. So mm. that goes in line with my vision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very cool. And not too long ago, this woman, she had these like fairy tale dresses, these really beautiful dresses. You went to the OC area, there was like an event going on, you you shot her book. Was that very fairy tale like for you? Oh, yeah, that's like, that's like fairy tale and like villain, you know, Disney villain. So mm. that that was a dream project because, um, yeah. well, the designer is Guo Pei. She did Rihanna's Met Gala dress and she's known for doing the most fantastic gowns in the world. So she's like really like next level, next level everything. Love that. That's so cool. That's so neat. So what are you really excited for 2023? Any exciting plans coming up? Goals, visions? So I've been really focused on David's guide and I'm doing a full SEO campaign and it's been going really well. And then I have some amazing shoots, which I, I can't talk about that are coming up. So stay tuned for that. Okay. So yeah. So I guess that's smart. You just, you, sometimes you have to, I like that. You know, I get so excited that sometimes I'll talk about projects. A lot of times I'll sign NDA 
days, but I think I know through experience it's better to talk about it afterwards because like anything and everything will and can change, you know, it's like it's better to talk about it like after the work's done. So is that a that's an important lesson for me that I had to I've had to do so many times. Do you think that's an important lesson for you and maybe the listener tuning in as well? Because like sometimes I feel like I get my hopes up or like things change and then you have to like answer all the things about like why it changed. and It takes just so much energy. It's depleting. Like, has that been a thing for you in your career? I mean, it depends. You could say that you could you pick and choose on the projects that you want to talk about that are coming up. So it just depends. Yeah. Are you going to be in California? Or are you traveling this year? I mean, I will. But right now I'm just going to be in L.A. So nothing coming up. But you never know. Yeah. I mean, that's the exciting thing about being an artist as well, because like you could get a call and then like you might be on a, a plane to Paris in three days if you're not booked on another job already. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how is that with the flexibility? You thrive off of that, right? So you, you I do. So uh, you you like that lifestyle, right? Yeah, of course. There's never a dull moment. Yeah. For a seasoned photographer or someone, you know, just starting, like, how is it? um, Any uh, tips that you want to give the listener on like do's and don'ts uh, to show how like you paved the way thus far? Yeah, just put yourself in situations where your probability of success is the highest. So that would be being around certain types of people being around successful people going to the right events, but you really just need to show up and be present. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. I know there's some there's like that FOMO and like people wanting to be at certain events and not getting invited to certain events. Like, how do you show up position yourself to be invited to certain events if you're not at the caliber of like certain events that you want to go to? Like, what are some things like maybe networking tips for people? You're flawless at it. You're so good at it. So like, what about someone maybe who's not? Well, if you want to be invited to events, you just have to provide value. So that could be taking pictures for people at the events or helping them out at the events or like inviting certain people or opening up your network. But you know, for anybody, you know, if you invite somebody over to your house for dinner, like if you know, there has to be a reason why you're inviting them, like they you want to get to know them better, or you know, they invited you to other events or value has to keep on going through like it has to keep on going no matter what. So yeah, always provide as much value as, as possible. Like and for you know, there's a lot of people that they'll just like they'll just show up at an event, you, you know, you invite them to an event, then you don't hear from them, you know, at all. But that's not my style. That's their style. And in the end, like they're going to miss out on a lot of things because just because you don't have, you know, you're not paying for the event or whatever, there's certain things that you can do that don't cost any money, but provide value. So, yeah. Yeah, my financial consultant calls it um uh, relationship currency, right? So they're yeah. in the relationship currency and and when you were speaking that I saw like, you know, filling each other's cup, right? Yeah. So like sowing and like watering it and nurturing it and watching your garden grow for long term. So more like look at long term instead of just like, you know, what are you getting out of it now? But what can I offer right now? This is fresh energy that I can offer to someone. So if it's photography, practicing the skill every day as much as possible, maybe interning for a photographer, whichever state or country you're in, reaching out, you know, were you a Worlds with me? Worlds with a Z Mm -hmm. in 2018. Yeah. So Gary V was the keynote. Mm-hmm. And Gary V said, when one person, another person has an idea, it's worth $4 million. Now we're in 2023. So it's probably way more than that. But he said, the number one most valuable currency is our attention. Mm-hmm. 
right here, right now. Because we only can focus on one thing at a time. So what are we choosing to focus on? Who are we giving our attention to? To scale and propel it forward for self and to enrich and add value to another, we can offer our time, our services, our hands, like, you know, being an intern or what are some things photographers need help with? Like if someone's tuning in and they want to like help a photography company or a photographer, like what are some things that they could offer to add to their resume and to reach out and say like, oh, I I can help with this, this and this. And it could alleviate the photographer and they know like, oh, this person like knows my needs. Yeah. You know, like photographers always need assistance or they need people to drive them around or pick things up or, you know, anything really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about um, editing the photos, taking out like the bad photos? Does the photographer like to do the first edit or do they like sometimes like assistance to do the first edit no, with pho- photos? Photographers always do it themselves. Yeah. Okay. And so I have a question. How, how do you do that? Because like for me personally, when I see photos, like I can only like look at 30. If I see a thousand, I start freaking out. I get so overwhelmed. Like how can you look at the photo and just be like, no, 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 click, click, click. Like, how do you select? It's just practice. <laughs> the more you do it. And also, I don't I don't like to take like a million pictures either. So mm. my selection process is like much easier. So quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Love that. What do you edit in? What do you look at your photos through? I just use Photoshop. Photoshop. And then what are you shooting on right now? Uh, I have a Leica M11 and a Hasselblad H6D. So the Hasselblad's a medium format camera. And then the Leica is just a, a full frame. Mm-hmm. But they're both amazing cameras. Uh, I remember when you got one of them, you, it was like your baby. You were like so excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I think the Leica one. I think both of them, actually. I think both of them, you were like, they were your babies. Yeah. And then how many cameras have you gone through through your career thus far? Oh, I don't know. Probably like 10 or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> Do you have any of them still? Do you sell them? Did you gift them away? Did they break? Like, did you lose them? Like, what happened? <laughs> I sell them. Mm. It's always good to sell. Mm-hmm. And then where do you hunt for your cameras when you go searching for new cameras? I just, I normally just get them at Sammy's. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sammy's Camera is a famous camera store, um, Fairfax in Los Angeles. Uh, you could Google it. Very cool. Are there any like stories that you want to share with us or the listener tuning in? Like something about you that most people don't know or anything? Well, when I was six years old, my mom was taking me to Zig Ziglar. He's like a motivational speaker. He's kind of like Tony Robbins. And I think Tony Robbins learned from him. So we would go to these seminars, and then that's when I first learned about manifestation. So at that time, we were collecting coins as a family. We were going to coin shows, and there was this new story about the rarest penny in the world. And it was a 1914 D penny uh, made in World War One. and what made it rare was that it was made of steel instead of copper. The reason is because copper was used for bullets in World War One. They barely made that many of these pennies, and I knew that at the coin show, there was this table with pennies that all the kids would go through and they they could take whatever they wanted. And I knew that I was going to find this rare penny in on that table. So when we got to the coin show, I went straight to the table and I was just looking for it and hours passed and I think four hours passed and eventually I, I found it and I went to the microscopes and I asked them if, you know, if this was the 1914 D penny and three of the microscopes confirmed it. So that was all through manifestation. And when you know, and you want something and you know, it's there, then you can get it. So you can get whatever you want. 
Yeah. I really love that. Such a beautiful, cool story. I can relate to it big time. What I want to ask is... Now the penny is worth $5,000. Oh, ooh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Where is this? I mean, this lucky... I want to ask nationally, globally, where this lucky penny is. Never mind. Jeez, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah somewhere... My parents have it somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. cool. Shout out to the parents. Love you. Yeah. Wow, what a great life and an epic journey. That's so cool. I want to touch on manifestation a bit because of what you just said. And I find I'm a you know, visual uh, manifester, but I also find within my heart and soul, um, sometimes it's a bit difficult for me. And sometimes I feel like I know it's probably me just getting in my own way. Like, what are some tips on manifestation and and how to strengthen that ability since you learned at such a young age? Because like the quality of the manifestation for how long it doesn't it doesn't matter the link. It's just a deep knowing and sticking to it and reminding yourself of it, like doing it, trusting it and putting it out there, like setting an intention or prayer or like doing it over and over. Like, how is it for you? Well, the best way to do it is in the med- in in your meditation and right when you wake up and right when you go to sleep because you're reprogramming your, your subconscious so that all your actions in your brain will be on autopilot to make your manifestation come true. So yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. So I've had some like really, really cool things happen, but there's this one I have and there's this house, it's in Southampton. I know exactly where it is. I'm not giving the address, but it's just magnificent home and it's so beautiful and I see it being like my home and like it's so massive I could just like have my family being on like a wing of it because like it's so massive like it would be a separate thing because I know you and me are both very connected to our families but this is like a part of my vision and stuff but and I even put it on my um the cellular for like a year I put it like on the cellular to have it so I would see it to like know it's true like that's the thing and then I've had like visualizations of like a home like that or some kind of home on the water on the water with like two kids making sure my kids are you know, getting the the mother nature, the ocean, the toes in the sand, just like having that connection with with mother nature, the earth, it's so important. And I keep having these visuals, but like, it hasn't happened. And I know, like, I don't have kids yet. But it's like, I could have had the home by now. So then I get frustrated. You know what I mean? So it's like, is it not clear enough? Like, am I is I just have to be patient and know that's a part of it? Like, do you have any like (laughs) advice for people like me, um, or someone who could be having struggles with those kinds of manifests? stations like are they such big ones that you have to be patient for it like what do you what do you think about it so there's certain things with manifestation it's like some things are fast and some things are slow yeah but eventually if you really want it that bad it'll happen but there's no real timeline so that whole penny thing the chances of me finding that penny are pretty much zero but it happened so there had to be a reason why it happened too maybe it was because I was a kid and and you know, when you're a kid, you have these little magical powers and yes. you could do you could do a lot more. Yes. And then as we get older, we lose it. So maybe you just have to go back to your magical powers as a kid and try to unleash those. So, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's so empowering. And when we're kids, like I had this thing where like I would move clouds, like clouds would minimize and like leave. And I know, you know, one of my friends, I like didn't even say that to people, but he said that to me. I'm like, oh my God, like I did that too. Like it was so cool to hear someone else say it because people don't talk about those magical things from like when they were kids, those kid powers. But also I feel like we don't lose it 
I think um, we just, uh, it's lost. I think it's still within us. They're dormant. It's like pushed down. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, depends, it depends on the person. I mean, you know, like there's psychics and, you know, they had those powers and they develop them and they keep on going. Maybe they're, it's so strong that they can't get rid of it. So then they, they just develop it and they live with it. There's people that, that are, you know, there's mentalists out there that can move things with their mind. And you know, it's, it's all about, you know, whatever skill it is, it's just about developing it. And if you don't develop it, then you don't have it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Developmental discipline, practice, adventure. Yeah. Very great nuggets. As we're honing and wrapping it in here, any last words, maybe a book or two, uh, a mentor, someone that you, that helped you through your journey, a book maybe you want to recommend to the people tuning in? I think that book, The Power of the Subconscious Mind is a book that everybody should read because it's just so, it's so clear and it's so, it's just so easy to understand. And you could just listen to it on YouTube and um, it's just easy. Just read it. It'll change your life. I'm going to reread it. I listened to it on audio. I was surprised it's not very long, actually. No. I thought it was going to be like a really long book. It's not. Mm -mm. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna download it. Libby, L-I-B-B-Y for people in America. You can just download the app, connect your uh, library card. Takes 30 seconds to get one. And you can download up to 30 audio books per month for free, which is cool. And if you prefer to read, you can uh, download it on the ebook. When I read a book, I like to like hold it in my hand. But normally I like to go through audio because of the way my brain works. It's just very fast. And I get to like lie there and like really absorb it. Especially if it's the power of the subconscious mind. Like you just want to be like absorbing that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. David Christopher Lee, thank you so much for joining me on She's All Over the Place. You are one magnificent soul. I love you so so much. Oh, thank you so much. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Please look at the show notes below so you can get in contact with David, follow him on his social medias, reach out to him, add value. Please share this with one person. It really means a lot. Just sharing it with one person. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, hitting five stars, leaving a review. It really helps independent podcasters like me. I built this from the ground up, just like David built all of his businesses from the ground up. And hopefully I I know we, we provided you with a lot of value. And again, lastly, because of you, we're in the top 1.5% out of almost 4 million podcasts. So thank you so much. Oh, we're giving giveaways every single episode. So look at the uh, link below and contact me and enter the giveaway. Put the topic David Christopher Lee or David Lee and talk about like what you learned from the episode, what excited you, things of that nature. And uh, you'll be entered for the giveaway. And who knows, maybe I'll talk to David and we'll have some giveaway for you with David. You never know. It could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Looks like that's happening. Woohoo. Okay. So uh, we'll see you next time. Take good care. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki. Over and out. <laughs>